0: Hello, and welcome to The Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by a virtual team. I'm Chris, and I'm part of the team here at FlashUp. On today's episode, we have Fabian Schunke. Fabian is a senior consultant at Vollmer & Shevchik. Daniel and Fabian had an awesome conversation talking about virtual teams, agile engineering, and the future of work. So here is episode 11 of The Virtual Frontier featuring our guest, Fabian Schunke. Take it away, Daniel.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel. I'm guest speaker at the Virtual Frontiers podcast and part of our virtual team at FlashUp. Innovation, transformation and self-organization are big buzzwords filled and defined very differently, but still mostly experienced with a lot of uncertainty crossing all industry sectors. Today, we want to discuss with our podcast partner, Fabian Schünke, some of those topics more detailed and bring some certainty to our audience. But before we dive into the topic of today's podcast, Fabian, please go ahead and tell us a little bit about your own path, uh, career path, and so we can catch up with you where we're heading in the near future.
2: Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's quite cool to to be part of this podcast. Um, I'm quite excited. Um, <laughs> I, I already told told you, Daniel, that we, we will see if the if the 45 minutes will. Will be enough um, because there's so many things to talk about. Um, yeah, so Don't I, worry. I can. <laughs> We're happy to make two parts of it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, you asked me about my my background and my career path. Um, I started out as a machinist. So, I, I did a job education in a mid-size company close to Munich. And after school, I wanted to do something with my hands, so I did a um, job, job education as a machinist. I loved it; it was it was great doing something very practical. But uh, when I was moved to production and I had to work shift, I realized that this might be not the best idea of doing it for forty years. <laughs> so um, at the end of that job education, I started looking around what's 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 possible in that company, and I did. The first simple engineering words. So very simple uh, construction engineering design stuff. Um, but I realized as a machinist, it will be nearly impossible to do that as, as a professional. So I decided to um to do my engineering um level. So um I, I did a diploma in mechatronics, so mechanics and electronics. Um and during that studies, I was still working in that company. Company is called Schleifring, Schleifring und Apparatebau. It was called in the past. Now it's only Schleifring. Um, and so I, I started out, started doing some design work in, in Schleifring slip rings, uh, rotary joints. The the English uh, expression. Um, and there was an American company um, I was working together with in that time, and they bought that slip ring, and I had the opportunity to do an internship in the US so i moved to boston for a while and uh, did some engineering work there um a company called analogic um, it's north uh, north of boston um, and when i came back from from the us i actually was planning to do something else but uh, schleifling offered me the the opportunity to work as a sales, sales engineer and project manager So um, I did my my diploma thesis in project management for a development in Israel. Um, (laughs) So it was a a gamma camera um, development for a company in Israel. And uh, I did the project management for it. And after it started uh, as a sales engineer, um, and it was it was awesome uh, i had us israel and then japan later on as as areas so i was traveling a lot meeting a lot of people working a lot of yeah a lot of uh, a lot of times in international teams obviously and then um i realized that not only the technical side but also management economics in general um organization strategy and so on is also key factor um in companies so i decided to do an mba um and i did an mba part-time in munich for three and a half years which was quite intense after work always going to to university um and uh, well i was planning to leave schleifling to be to be honest um and see something else Um, but then there was the opportunity To become head of sales for medical applications, uh, which was awesome. After that, I wanted to leave Schleifling again, Um, not not because I didn't like the company, but I wanted to do something else. But then they offered me to be head of um, a business unit and and I stayed again. So at the end, it was at the very end, it was 18 years um, from starting the machinist um, education until I left the company finally um and during the time as head of business unit i was the head of sales um, engineering um, front end and quality engineering and i realized at that time i realized okay wait a minute um a company is not not to be seen as a machine but of course there are people interacting with each other and and Especially if you're not in the same department, um, this can become quite challenging. So if you are working in a metrics organization, as I did, um, uh, you realize, okay, something is wrong here. So you're pushing, you're pushing, and you're working with customers, and then it comes to a centralized department like sourcing or production. Um, And and I was like, whoa, I, I was going crazy because... I always thought, okay, they, they don't realize how important this is and we need to work for the customer. Um, and and they, of course, work for their department, for their keys, for their KPIs and for their whatever. Um, and I didn't realize what was going on. And that was the time when my boss um, came up with the idea of bringing consultants in. Uh, I was not very happy because um during my MBA I met some um, of course some, some consultants and I had a, a picture or an image of consultants in my head and I thought for well, the problem that we are challenging this will not help but founders so Vollmer and Chefsig um came along and I realized in the first meeting oh wait okay they are they are completely different so they came up with with ideas and, and teases and, and so on that I was not facing at all until that moment. Um, So they were, they were telling crazy things like, okay, um, it's not so much about the processes. Let's talk about how this organization as a sum of human beings is functioning and and why people act like that um it's not because they they are not willing it's because they 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 also stick or they also are stuck in in some kind of um context or or whatever and they kind of opened a door to a completely new world for me um that is 4 years ago um i read Every single book that they handed over to me i i wow, I put so much energy into this world and yeah it came to the point that I decided to um move on and 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 yeah, be part of that organization foul um, which is a completely self organized uh, consultant company and trying helping trying to help other organizations to move towards that way or or become more more effective more or more efficient um and i've been doing that for 2 years um and uh yeah and i was planning to do it longer than that to be honest again um, but then there came an opportunity along um to become a managing director in a mid-sized product production company um and they also started moving towards that direction and I can be part of that transformation and, um, and be in a position that I can really take. um, Yeah. yeah, Simply take decisions to move in the right direction when it comes to that uh, transformation. And that will start in July 1st or on July 1st. And so I'm quite excited. (laughs) that's great this is a fantastic story and quite
1: a trip over the globe that you had over the last 18 or 20 years uh, and, and and it's very interesting as to say that you came originally like from the from the production uh side and and you learned uh, the practical uh stuff and everything and then you changed to the management side where you could see as well like the the other topics that are important to a company um mm. I think uh, one one of our topics today is innovation and uh, as you passed so many uh, different stations I'm sure you can tell us a little bit more about what what is innovation and uh, maybe when I think we fake a lot of time innovation. We we call something innovation and is isn't innovation, or we implement things that our our, competi- our competitor is doing. And um, what 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 is the definition for yourself, maybe, or maybe you have a more uh, mm-hmm. firm transmission. What is what is innovation and what
2: is not? Mm. Um, uh, you know, innovation. There's a there's really there's a quite funny story. Um, when I was at, at Schleifing, um, uh, innovation was a big, big topic. Um, so we, I think Schleifing is a quite innovative company still. Um, but nevertheless, we, we always have the feeling, okay, there need to be more. We we need to push more. Uh, we need to be faster than the, than the competition and so on and so on. And so, there was a group of of managers um, that decided to build kind of a task force for innovation. And um, in that time being, I w- my background was bah, very management driven. Um, so I remembered some speeches of of innovation people for instance the innovation manager of bmw in munich um and i contacted him and i said hey uh, we are a mid-sized company here uh, west of munich are you interested in helping us or giving a, a keynote and bar he said yeah and he came he came to schleifing and he helped us building up an innovation management system um and it was basically like bmw system way smaller so of course, um, probably like hundreds, hundred times smaller than than what BMW does. But the basic steps were the same. So we thought innovation management as a machine. So if you do this, then you the result will be X Y. Um, and there was a uh, there was an online store kind of you could type in your ideas and da 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 da. It was like a machine, and. Two years later, I wrote a blog, it uh, was called, um, in German it was called, Es lief eigentlich ganz gut, bis wir Innovationsmanagement eingeführt haben. So you could tr- translate it to, it was all right until we introduced Innovation Management. Um, right. Because, <laughs> because we, we, we totally oversaw what, what is the key factor for innovation um so so the human being again um and and not the process and so i was thinking up uh, thinking about it a lot and there was a colleague at fondes um michael kasteliner one of the partners um who had a similar story and so we were we were pushing that that topic innovation a lot at fondes and and thinking about it a lot and so at the end there is there's the definition for me that Innovation, it is only innovation if the customer or the user is is recognizing it as something new. Um, and it, it must bring value to the customer or the user and it needs to get appreciation. Um, and now its it sounds pretty simple, but I think a huge difference um, and the mistake that I, we did is It is the customer or the user and not the manager or the hierarchy or the management who who does that decision or takes that decision. So what I mean is we had an innovation system. People came with ideas and the management charged if this is right or wrong or if it's promising or blah, 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 blah. And this is bullshit. This is absolutely bullshit because the management cannot do it in a complex world. Um, so I think we all are still stick to the idea of the strong manager who knows how the world works and can take good decisions because his education is so fucking good. Um, yeah, but, but the world is not, is not acting like this anymore. So even if we think it's a good idea or other way around it, even if we think it's a bad idea, um, you can, you can see that every day people, people are coming up with, with, with companies or with ideas that you never thought it it would break through. And then it's the new big thing. Um, yes. and so, um, and so for me, the, the only three key things is, is it's new to the customer or, or, or the user, does it bring value to to the customer? And do you get appreciation? So money or something else in, in exchange. Um and so th- that was a huge learning for me that I was like, okay, so my role as a as a manager changes from you know, yeah, charging and taking decisions over ideas to building an environment that people can try and error, um, building MVPs getting budgets, getting obstacles out of the way, being quick, learn quick, do things. um, And uh, instead of um, being that strong manager, trying to pretend that you know how the world works. Um, Sometimes I think there are still some, some business left where this, let's call it, old way of managing innovation might still work. So there might be this crazy guy um, understanding his market, understanding his customers. Um, Then I would say, okay, stop doing a design thinking circus and, and all that stuff. Simply tell the people what you want, execute it and be successful. But my thesis is that there are not many businesses left where you can be that way or where you will find managers like that i think a lot of a lot of people still hope they could be like that but but i think it's nearly impossible yeah the
1: Um, the the one-man show businesses are dying dying businesses yeah Yeah, exactly yeah, maybe exactly. still uh, still uh, a few left where you can do that if it's not really complex. But in general, I think this is a, a dying
2: species of managers. Yeah, absolutely. And and here I think we are also running into a um, in, into a paradox on that uh, it's not working anymore. But at, at the same time, um, that's what you expect from a good manager. Um, so, so you come into a company and, and you say, okay, but what's your idea? What do we need to do in the market to be successful? And if the manager says, I don't know, um, still our uh, the community, the the organization, and companies um, sometimes are not uh, are not at the point to accept that. Um, but I think it's the truth um, in in most of the times, and. Another thing that I that I found very very often is that everyone is asking for the new Facebook, so it needs to be this huge new thing, um, and but but I, but I keep saying with customers now as a consultant that back in the back in the days when when someone came up with the idea of toilet paper, um, it, it's not this huge big thing but back in the time it was innovation and it was great and 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 what i what i try to say with with that funny story or with that uh, <laughs> metaphor yes. um is that it does not need to be the new big huge thing it needs to be something that customer or users um appreciate and they give you something in the exchange um and even if, if, I don't know, some, some digital app is nothing crazy for, for an IT company, for an engineering company, or for, for a machinist co- company, um, it could be a huge innovation to have an app. Um, and, that is, and that is another thing. It, it does not need to be the big new thing. It just yeah. needs to get appreciation from the user. Um, and so now I, I try to think innovation more as a um, iterating, quick learning, um, surrounding environment, and not like a plan that you can execute and a machine that you can drill and and um, and o- always foresee what the next step needs to be. If you can do that, you are happy. Do it. Execute. Bam successful but i think there are not many companies left where you can do that
1: i think you already answered my my next question mostly but i i still uh, i think we can tell a little bit more about um why why is it then then companies often have the tell uh, the theoretical knowledge about how to create a culture of innovation but then in the daily real life they fail like completely
0: mm.
2: Um I think what I've learned in the last two or four years with, with founders is um, in, yeah, in the past, I, I also thought an organization as a machine, but it's not. Um, and there's a second mistake that I did, which is that I thought that people some people are simply strange. And you have to fix people. So, meaning, um, I was looking into I don't know production department or whatever, um, or manufacturing department, and and I thought the people are strange. Why do they behave like that? That's that's crazy. But what I did not realize back in that time is that of course the people are not strange. Some, but <laughs> but. <laughs> 99% of, of the people are just people and they want to do good work and they want to solve problems. Um, so there needs to be something else, something else, not the people themselves. And so um, there's a story that Ben Loeffler, our CEO, tells um, a lot and I, I love it. He said, okay, let's try to imagine there's there's this one guy and this one guy, he gets up in the morning, uh, and it's a Sunday, so he goes to church. Um, and, uh, of course, he lives in, in Bavaria, in Munich, so he needs to go to soccer. So uh, in the afternoon, he's at FC Bayern in the soccer stadium. And after that, he wants to chill out with his, with his, um, with his mates, with his friends, so he goes into a spa wellness thing. So, it's this one guy. is always the same person. If he goes to church, he will shut up. He will be quiet. He will look very firmly, and and so on. In the soccer stadium, he will get a couple of beers. He will be loud. He will be shouting. And in spine wellness, he will get naked, and uh, they will talk quietly. But but he will be naked. Um. So you will get behavior, which is depend. Dependent on the context he is in. So it's the same guy. And the same guy is quite, is, is very, uh, w- very quiet in the morning. He's drunk in the afternoon and loud and, and funny and bar, And then the spa, he's naked. And now, if you shift that, so if you say, get naked in the church, be quiet in the football stadium, and get drunk in the spa, um, it, it will be strange. And of course, this is very simplified and blah blah blah. but but if you take that further into the professional um surrounding, if you take a very, very talented, innovative guy at Google and you swap it swap him with a guy in a ulti um, hierarchical um system where innovation is driven by the top management, the thesis is after one, two, three months, they will also swap behavior. And of course, there's a tool set that they learned at Google or in the other company that they will still be able to do. But the behavior is much more driven by the context he's in or she than by his personality. And I think we all would love to think that it's different. Uh, Not with me. No, no, I'm stronger than the organization or the context. But there are examples in history, not only in companies, but also in history, where you can see, no, 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 no. The majority of the people will fall into the behavior of the context. So to answer your question, i think the management should think much more about the context which is present at the company and and then observe the culture in in that company and try to change things that that can be changed you cannot change culture but you can change structures you can change the context in some ways and then observe the culture again to push the culture in towards a, a, a way or a direction that you want to have it and want or is um healthy for innovation um and and that is i think that is could be an explanation why everyone is understanding we need innovation oh and people should think innovative and creative and entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur, and all of that. But if the context is not allowing it, so if you are if you are in the fucking church and you tell the people all the time get naked, they this won't is gonna, get naked,
1: this is gonna, or, or it's gonna be a, mess, a big mess. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's this one guy getting naked. He will be kicked out, and and that is happening in uh, in. Context you have this one guy saying okay I, I don't give a shit i'm i'm building up this page i'm uping it and then the boss is coming along and saying okay who, who who did who did sign it off uh no one i thought we should think entrepreneur no 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 you have to get it signed off by me it's and then the next time he has an idea he will not do it yeah this that's
1: completely correct this 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 whole this whole uh, process of of tran- uh, um, of transform uh, or innovation comes uh, always along with uh, transformation as well inside the mm-hmm. company. So if a company decides, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, some changes or we're gonna implement uh, new tools in our company, um, I think as you worked especially in uh, for a consulting company in the industrial sector with a focus on preparing. Um, these mainly traditional organized companies for the future. I'm sure you have experience of of some transformative process inside the company. Mm-hmm. In, in the transformation of an organization, the, wor- the way we work together and collaborate, and all this is changing really fast and increasing speed. Um, seeing those changes happening all over the globe, do you think companies in general and humans more in particular? Are aware and prepared for what is coming and what maybe it's needed
2: for personal quick learning and adaption. Um, so o- of course i I only have a small image or small picture of some companies I met um and of of course in a in a certain uh, market that we are in. but I think or, or what what we discuss at founders right now is you can, you can tell a trend that more and more managers are um, complaining, maybe, complaining about, we try harder and harder and harder, and it gets worse, worse, worse. Um, uh, customers, they simply don't know anymore what they really want. They change specs all the time. Um, competition is, get, is getting crazy. Um, uh, the political surrounding is, is uncertainty and perfection. Um, and, and so everyone is everyone, I don't know, but a lot of people are, 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 mirroring us. There's a change. There's a change to five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And you hear a lot, um, the sentence, ah, oh, Back in the time it was so great. Uh, somehow we found a solution, we managed to do it, and da, 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 da. So so there's a trend. I think you can see that. And um and now I think there are at least two types of managers. There's this one type um trying to do the things that they did in the past simply harder and more. Um and there are there are these other guys um, who start kind of an exploration trip. So, what else is there? Are there alternatives to the way of thinking um, that that I, I have in mind right now? Um, and then they 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 start to. Yeah, to to do experiments and and try to find out new ways. But a lot of these second second type management guys are falling back into um, a trap because until now, it was clear that if you have a problem, you just have to search for the right way and then execute it which is okay if you have a complicated problem and you have to simply think hard enough and you will find a solution. But now, if it's really complex, you have to try, error, learn, adapt. And that is something, especially in, in the market um, and in the niche that we are in, that managers have a very, very hard time with. This, the exception of the uncertainty. And for us as, as consultants, this was all, uh, a lot of times it was a huge problem because, a, a huge problem because the, uh, our customers ask us, okay, you are, the, you are the consultant, tell us what to do. And then the answer is often we need to try. And they're like, no, 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 no. We are paying a lot of money. Tell us what to do. Well, I just told you what you need to do is try. Um, and I think this is really a, a huge obstacle. A huge obstacle, um, but well, if if my thesis is right and the complexity is is gaining even more, um, it it is like an evolution, and and companies who will not learn to adapt and and fall into this new way of organ or, uh, organizing things, I think the consequences they that they that they die because they cannot cannot adapt fast enough um and this this could be a consequence yep for sure uh, one one
1: one thing um uh, about the change you you talked um you work in a consulting company or you have worked uh, the last uh, years that is basically a self-organized company without formal uh, hierarchies mostly there there are a lot of misconceptions in the industry about uh what what is uh, a self-organized company and how they are operating uh, in some way uh, in a holocracy model. So could you tell us a little bit more about that change that happened already in your own company and mm-hmm. how, how you adapt with that? Because I, th- I think I can remember this is not all flower power and happy doing. So there's, there, there there's
2: things happening on the way and uh, things you have to adapt, right? absolutely um that was one of the reasons why i moved to fohness because i wanted to experience myself how it is to to work in such a company um and uh i wrote a blog article some weeks ago um which is called one year without a boss um if i would have known it <laughs> um it is um let me think. Yeah, I opened the the blog art article with with a conversation I had with my brother. Um, my brother has three kids, and of course, he had the the first kid before I had my first uh, daughter. Um, and when I asked him, "How is it with kids? Wow, isn't it great?" and da da da, and he said, "Well, you know, um, I can I can explain for two hours." And you will pretend that you will understand, but you will not until you have kids um and then you will feel it, and of course, I can explain the feeling, but you have to feel it um, and of course, in that conversation, I was getting kind of frustrated because I was like, "Ah, you can still tell me how it is um, but when i when when I got my my first daughter and now my second i would i would tell people without kids the same thing and working for an organization without hierarchy or self organized organization um i would pretend that with that uh, trying to explain how it is to have kids is kind of how how to exp- trying to explain how it is to work in a self organization um nevertheless i will i will try to do it um but, Share experience, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is, um it is different and it is hard, and it is so different that you could not even imagine that it's so different, and that's the same with kids, I think, as my experience so when i when I got to um found I thought, well, there's no hierarchy, so um there's no boss, so we do things together, and that is um yeah Mis- misconception number 1 um that hierarchy is gone that's not true hierarchy is always there and but even it's more not strong sometimes correct but it's not as explicit and static as in a uh, traditional organization but it's always there and there was something now i i kind of think it's funny that i that i was so um i don't know <laughs> uh, stupid maybe even <laughs> um so of course there is hierarchy and now you have to find out where is it right now exactly who has the most competence in that situation and who should i follow um in that situation but um but it's it's simply not not true that that it's gone, and and that was kind of kind of stupid um, to to think that hierarchy is gone. Um, and the second thing that that is funny is that everyone is saying, "Oh, okay, so you ha- you're self organized, so everyone is doing what he or she wants, so it's um, kind of chaos or anarchy or random." And that is, that is funny. I mean, it's still an, an, an operating organization. I mean, we need to make money. We need to pay our bills. So of course not everyone is simply doing whatever he wants. So there's a, there's a clear roadmap kind of orientation. So what, what are our goals for this year? What, what is our focus? Um, what's my job? What, What do I need to do? Um, and now, after after two years, I have to say, it's I'm very close to my to my colleagues. Uh, from a personal side, I'm very very close there. Nearly all of them are friends now. Um, but in in discussions, it's even harder than before. So so if we have discussions about 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 topics for our customers or for our strategy, the, the discussions are hard, very, very, very hard. And that's good. I mean, the quality becomes um, better. But in a hierarchical hierarchy, uh, hierarchy um, or classical uh, organization, it was not that hard, at, at least my experience, because it was clear after, I don't know, there was a discussion going on for one minute and there was clear, okay, well, he's my boss. I don't well we just simply do it as he wants um and that's different and so everyone who thinks that it's a as you call it easy easy hippie um living totally wrong totally totally wrong um so um oh yeah and and there's one thing people are saying well it's kind of chaos. Um, there's no structure. Oh, yeah, that's agile or, or new work or self-organized. No. I would say in a self-organized system, you need even more structure, but different. Yeah. Because in a, in a hierarchy, it's so easy. You just look up or you look down, and that's the way it goes. And then you have processes and just follow it. But if you have a self-organization and you don't have structures, for instance, how do we how do we take decisions, or um, who's doing marketing right now? Who is building up the strategy for the next three years, and how do we come to to conclusions and decisions in this strategy work? Um, if you don't take care of that structure, yes, then you then you go into chaos. But that has nothing to do with professional self organization um, or holocracy, uh, even. Yeah. But, so i think you know what i mean what i mean yes huh? completely
1: i could experience uh, so, uh, some similar things with uh, flash up um, as well where i'm working um when we are self-organized uh, as well so um people think there um, often this is uh something where you don't have uh or you, you don't communicate enough and you you uh, have to seek out no it's a complete difference we talk Everything double. There's over communication about a lot of a uh, lot of things that we have to talk more intense than uh, maybe a company where, as you mentioned it, uh, just look up to the boss and wait for instruction mm. or for a decision. So you, you it's, it's getting everything. It's getting more intense. But um, the good outcome, as you mentioned as well, uh, most of your colleagues are right you're now your friends. You know, this is yeah. something uh, that happens with you getting closer and you have to
2: talk about uh, things more intense. Yeah. And that's that's uh that's also a very interesting point. Um I had I had a lot of customers and we were talking about uh solving problems without hierarchy um and and doing that together as a self-organization. And then there was this topic do we now need to become friends? Do I need to be open to to my colleagues? And i I heard that a lot that people said, "Well, but this is profession and 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 um, leisure is leisure and and so there are two different things. If I go to work, these are my colleagues, and I don't need to be open to them. I don't need to become friends. And I thought about that a lot, and my position finally is the following: I agree. You don't need to, but if your competition somehow manage to have an environment where a lot of people are friends or or it's a very friendly, open um, environment, they will become better in solving problems. They will become real teams, and at the end, they will be a strong competition. And they will be better than you. So yes, you don't need to do that. But think about it that your competition might do it. And this becomes a competition relevant factor. And so um, and so, I think it is kind of, hmm, well, how to say, um, you need to be careful in saying, uh, I split that and I only, if I'm at work, I'm, I'm just professional and, and that's all I do. Um, this might not be enough anymore in the future. And so that's kind of my position now. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I completely agree with you. Okay. And, and just like, I think you care more for a friend or how, is, how he is doing, how he's performing and what, a, what a problems are could, or what problems could be than for just for a colleague, you know,
2: yeah there's um there's the study of amy edmondson um i think came out last year or at least I saw it the first time last year um about psychological safety in in teams and that that's the success factor number one for um for successful teams and you you rather have let's say lower education but a psychological safety environment the result the results of this team will be higher then you have um, high potentials but only only um, egoistic uh, personalities and a not psychological safety environment the results will be will be very low um, and and this study uh, man, this blew me away last year just, i was like yeah it's it's so it's so clear and 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 and, and if i think about my history and work i i remember i remember uh, leaders where i felt exactly that i simply felt safe and therefore i did things um and i think these are the these are the, the topics and things we we need to take much more care of As the leader of tomorrow or the managers of tomorrow, than telling the people what to do. Yeah, exactly, for sure.
1: I uh, I have one question more for you. As we have like those um, over decades in even maybe centuries, um, we, we taught and instructed you know, people at work in very hierarchical structures with little space or no space to innovate and no no space to make mm-hmm. their own decisions. How how we get those people onboarded and included? as they have a lot of skills on the hard hard side or hard skills, but they're st- stuck still in those traditional organizational thinking. So, for example, Deutsche Bahn or Bosch or Lufthansa are like big, big companies, big enterprises, but they are, have a huge workforce which
2: is still stuck in this old thinking, old organization. Yeah. Um, maybe as a starting point, I love the idea of uh, human type X and human type Y. Um, so in a, in a Taylor um, organization, you have more thinking of human type X. So you need to give benefits. You need to uh, motivate people so they that they get things done. Um, and of course uh, the type Y where you say, well, everyone is motivated and everyone wants to solve problems and do great stuff. Um, Let's build an environment so that they can do it. And uh, obviously, I'm following the type Y. um, And if we follow that consequently, I think step number one is get rid of all the shit that demotivates people. Um, So if I need to fill out Ten pages to get i don't know my money back from traveling last week, or pff, uh, i need a I need a new laptop or whatever because i I want to program that app and the laptop is broken, and this takes ten weeks or i'm I'm managing a very very complex project and I need to go to milestone um uh, reporting every second day and it doesn't help me. It, it only gives the management uh, a more more secure, more safe feeling. Um, get rid of all that shit. So um, let's go through organizations and and look. Okay, what what is um, what is really building up value for the customer? What is needed to be innovative? What is asked by the law? And everything else needs to be scrapped, needs to be kicked out. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people ask, okay, how does this scrum or design thinking, or whatever you want to call it, uh, um, how, how does that work? Because we need to become agile. Um, then I think the right answer should be, before you start implementing and using the, the next New thing, let's get rid of ten old things that are just uh, causing pain and 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 time consuming and so on. So that would be step number one uh, because this will change the context people are in. So if you change the way of reporting in a project management, um let's say in the past, it was a milestone management system and you had to report every second day and you change that to a platform where you can get help uh, instead of report the status, that will change the context. And maybe people start um, liking that meeting again. (laughs) Um, And then I would get rid of rules and talk about principles. Start off with with the agile principles and adapt those to your own organization um, so that people can take decisions on their own again and and not having a rule which is taking away your your decision-making process. Um, And all over that, you need to give orientation. You might want to call it vision. I don't care, but where are we heading to? Why are we doing that? And, and of course, at the end, you need a tool set to do that. So how does Scrum work? I don't know. Or how does a Kanban board work? Or, or whatever. But that is kind of, for me, from, from the priority six, seven, eight. I don't know. Um, the other things are much more important. And then let's build our own tool set whatever is helpful and needed for our context. Um and and I think if if you there are so many good books about that. Um but don't look for the next blueprint. I don't think I think that's the wrong order. That's that's not the, the jumping point. This using scrum is good, but using scrum in a church you know, have to be the right environment.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. sense yes. Yeah, we completely. There uh, We talked already about uh, the hard skills that uh, come from the old industry, um, and there it seems to me that uh, the new soft skills to become uh, uh, successful tomorrow in tomorrow's business becoming important uh, more or, or are becoming more and more important every day. So my question is, what can companies do to nourish such skills like empathy, critical thinking, creativity, all those things that will help us to be successful tomorrow but uh, still are not really nourished by companies and how that could be developed?
2: Mm. Um, there There is a fantastic book. Um, of Dr. Gerhard Wohland, um, probably one of the best books I, I've read the last years. Um, and he he takes it, um, he builds the dif- differentiation between blue and red world. And the blue world is where you can tell how to do it. And the red world is where you have to ask who, who has talent, who has an idea. And in the blue world, on the other side, it would be how do we do it? How is the process what's the next step um, so I think if we want to build out soft skills or push that, that 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 field of competence we have to stop asking the question how do you do that or do you know how to do it and ask more often the question who who could be the right talent in that situation who is the one um, we don't exactly understand how but Who is the one building up teams? Um, And and to find the right people in the right situation for the right problem, that could also be a new management um, uh, task, I think. Um, Another another, uh, topic I'm, I'm thinking about a lot is If it's not clear, so if there is uncertainty about the way um, to get there, it will become more and more important to find managers and leaders or simply people who build up a psychological safety environment Um, so they are giving uh, courage to the colleagues um, and, and, and pushing them with confidence And they are taking the uncertainty on their shoulders and not pushing that to the teams. Um, And I'm afraid you cannot really learn that. I think you can, of course you can understand that, but I personally think you cannot really learn it. it. It's, and I know that the people out there are saying there's not, no such a thing as talent, but I think there are talented people who can simply build an environment of, of, of courage and, and confidence. And if you find those people, push those people, bring them in the right position, then I think great stuff can happen. Mm, very interesting, of course.
1: Um Okay, Fabian. I think we are uh, heading to the end of our podcast today. Give, uh, let me uh, do some uh, clo- uh, closing questions. I, I think you already uh, started to mention some books, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. what, what books are you reading at the moment? And uh, can you might recommend some of those?
2: Um, yes, I, ha- I have to say that that Benno, so our our CEO, uh, he is. He, He's a crazy man. He reads so many books and he always brought it over to me. So I read also a lot of books, not not as many as he, but still. So there's one book I really recommend, um, which is Die Denkwerkzeuge der Höchstleister. I'm not sure if it is if it is uh, translated into English. Um, it's from Dr. Gerhard Wohland. Um, I, well, we, we need to look it up need to look it up if it's translated okay. to english we can we can look um, it up for our audience after but but there are also cool interviews with him on youtube um to follow that then of course uh reinventing organizations from frederick Laloux, um pretty cool um what else oh yeah there's there is um sprint from google venture um and i i, I I use that really in industry with a couple of customers now. And we, we builded out MVPs um using that, that book. Very, very, very cool. I can absolutely recommend it. Mm. Oh, so many books. Mm-hmm. And of course Reese startup, uh the startup stuff from that end. Hmm. I think that's very good. <laughs> yeah. And there's one recommendation, Quality Land of Mark Uwe Kling. Something different. Oh, okay. very funny. <laughs> and shocking, shocking, and, and shocking. And funny. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> we
1: need shocking and uh, <laughs> riddling co- uh, content. Okay, cool. Very good. Cool. Um, yeah. How, how can our listeners connect with you if they want to
2: reach out to you? Uh, i think the easiest way is linkedin um or or xing um linkedin or xing i think that's the easiest way yes
1: okay cool um then um i can just say thank you fabian for the today's podcast i learned a uh, very much about innovation transformation and the whole human factor around it and how important it is um and Thanks again for participating in our podcast on Virtual Frontiers today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See you next time on yeah. Virtual Frontiers.
0: I'd like to thank our guest Fabian Schunke for joining us today. You can find out more about Fabian on the Volmer and Shefchick blog, and you can also follow him on LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to the Virtual Frontier or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you want to learn more about virtual teams as a service, visit flashhub.io. On behalf of the team here at FlashHub, I'd like to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.